Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Of, of course, as always, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and today we are joined by Brad Martineau. And Brad and I have known each other for a number of years, way back in the day, kind of when we were both getting started out. And so I'm really excited to introduce you guys to him because today he's here to speak with us and share some of his wisdom. And he is like me. He has a passion to help entrepreneurs. And specifically what he does in his businesses is help them build more systematic and efficient businesses so they can make more money, save more time, and enjoy life as they see fit. He's a phenomenal member of the community. He's a wonderful father of five beautiful children. Um, he's been a longtime advisor and friend of myself. And he's also co-founder of two different businesses. One is called Plusis, which is a software-as-a-service um, company that helps entrepreneurs and marketers uh, automate their marketing and, and um and I guess eliminate, I guess leverage their time and energy. And then he also runs an agency called Six Division. And I was there when they launched, and he's got a great track record himself. I mean, I, I, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but I think you had seven figures in your first year of business, which is very commendable. And you're just a diehard marketer that just really loves helping people, and you're just really into business. And even right before we started this recording, we were just already going off riffing about, you know, some of the decisions that we're looking to make, right? Because it's just, it's, it's certain key things you do in business that really can make the difference versus just doing the wrong thing over and over. We're talking about the premium on time versus money, but we'll jump into that in a second. Brad, I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, and thanks for having me. I'm excited excited to be here. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I know a bit of your story, but what I don't actually know um, is what were you doing even before we met each other? Um, for the people listening to the call, I've known Brad probably somewhere around five years. Um, I've known you, Brad, probably been, a bit longer than you've known me. Um, 2010 is when we first did work together. It'd be about five years. Um, that was when we, we were talking about doing the map for the yep. for the martial arts school. Um, yep. That would have been 2010. Um, and my guess is we crossed paths before them yeah. Um, yeah. at some point. Yeah. So I, so my, my kind of business world career, whatever, <clears throat> starts with um, initially I was at University of Phoenix and on, I was doing online admissions counselor. This is back in like 2002 when I really first started. It was my first real job. Um, and I realized really quickly how much I hated it. It was one of those, it was one of those like soul-sucking jobs that I think <laughs> is, I think is super important for everybody to have one because yes. it helps you if you don't have that, then you'll get stuck into thinking that something that's good is crappy. But when you have real crap, then you realize like it gives you the right kind of spectrum. So I was there for, you know, I did what most people do when they're in a job that's sucking their soul. I stayed there for like two and a half years because somehow that makes sense. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I was there for two and a half years. And then I, I, uh, I was talking with my, with my brothers and they were talking about a company that they started and they needed a new person to be their entire support team, and it was Infusionsoft. And this was back when they had they had six employees, but their support team, which was one person, was leaving. They needed another one, and um, the offer was less money and going from benefits to no benefits. Um, and I went and, and then again, I did what most logical people would do. I took that job, so I took less money. And I, I had a couple of kids at that point, but um, 
took less money, no insurance, no benefits, um, and started working at Infusionsoft, and, and I was the sixth employee there. And then, um, and I was there for, let's see, about 2004 to, to 2010, so six, six and a half years or so. Um, I was the support team, and then I hired a bunch of support reps and a manager, and then I was the, I, I went and started the first dedicated implementation team to help customers get up and running and, and use the software. Uh, and then I ended up in product management, which is where I was there for most of my time, probably five of the six and a half years or so. And product management is a fancy term for my job was to work with customers and figure out what was working in their business. Uh, I'm the guy that sat in all the masterminds with their top users, the the GKIC group, the Perry Marshalls, the Sean Greeley's, the Dan Bradbury's, the Rich Sheffrin's, um, the John Allen's. All those people would come out and talk shop about what they were doing in their business and what and, and also what they wanted the technology and the software to do. And so I got to understand what works in business, and I got a front row seat to a lot of businesses that uh, that that didn't work. And then, and then on the flip side, my job was to go work with the developers and figure out how to build better features to to help people. So I got front row to business strategy and front row to um, to technology. And I was involved in every single feature that came out of the software for about for about six years. So so that's what I was doing immediately before uh, before we met. And that led up until about um, led up until about two thousand and ten. And then March 2010, um, they did. They, they hit uh, that first quarter. They hit a couple of uh, rough spots, and they did a round of layoffs. Then um, they laid off 10% of the company. At that point, there were about 150 employees, and um, and I was in that round of layoffs. I like to tell people I got fired just because it sounds more dramatic, but really I just got laid off. So it wasn't really as cool as I like to make it sound. Um, so that was that was March of 2010, and um, and at that point, I I didn't really know. Uh, what I was going to do, but I knew Infusionsoft really well. I knew, I mean, at that point, I knew Infusionsoft better than anybody else on the planet because I was the guy that had been at, in the, at the center of building all of it and seeing how it applied in businesses for six and a half, seven years. So I said, oh, well, I'll go do some freelance consulting. And, uh, and I realized really quickly that I hated freelance consulting. Um, and, and so I spent maybe six months doing the work. It was, you know, it was all by myself. And um, is there a reason just why like, <laughs> specifically you hated freelance consultants? Because some people listening might yeah. be freelance consultants, so this might you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is this is one hundred percent a me thing. This is not a this is not a knock on freelance consulting. Sure. It's a you've got to find you've got to find what fits for you. And and it, you know, I think that a lot of people when they're younger I actually have some ages. I, I think it's up until depending on how much you're paying attention, your your mid thirties or whatever. You live in this. You live in the world and you, you, you believe that the world is something where you get to declare what you're passionate about and then go pursue it. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think that's a, a misnomer we get sucked into believing. I think what, what actually happens when you start to get successful is you realize that the way that the world works is you figure out what you're passionate about, meaning you discover it. You don't, you don't say, this is the thing I want to do, and then you go make it happen. Yeah. And you're way better off discovering how you're built and how you're wired and what, what actually you're passionate about. Mm. And then you've got to have enough guts to go chase it. Yeah. And so there was, a, there was a little bit of that. What I, what I realized is I am not a, um, I'm not a work-by-myself person. Mm. Um, I need people and I, I need to be able to feed off of energy. And I'm not a, hey, I'll go do consulting and I'll, I'll, I'll go sell a project this month and I'll do it this month and next month and I'll go sell another one and I'll sell another one. Because there's no end to that. Like I've got to be, I've got to have a project that I'm working on that I've, I've got to be building something. So, so that that for me is why freelance consulting wasn't wasn't going anywhere. And and I have I've discovered uh, I don't know if it's unique to me, but but I've discovered this about myself. I don't I don't possess the discipline to do something that I don't believe in. So I just stopped. Well, there's a problem with that when you're married and you have kids and they want to eat and they want to live somewhere and you don't work. 
work, then there's no money coming in. That starts to create a problem. And I, and I, I call it fortunately or unfortunately, I had enough savings that I, w- I could afford to be stupid for a while. And so right. I just stopped working. Right. Well, funny thing happens. You, when you're not making money, then your savings go away. And so, so <laughs> leading up until about, till for about, I, I lasted maybe four or five months or so. And I did a, just a little bit of work. But if, if I charted in the graph my income, it, it, yeah, it went up a little bit after left. I left. And then it just, and then it just spiked. Right. So, so then I said, well, I got I to gotta do something. I know freelance consulting is not the game. So I, I figured I'd take the next thing that, that appeared to be the, the silver bullet, which was I'll just go create a membership site and I'll, I'll do interviews with the top users and then I'll show other people how they're doing stuff and I'll create this interview site and I'll do this one thing for a bunch of people and that will solve all my problems. Well, that's sort of true, except there's a lot more to it than just that idea. So I, I went to InfusionCon. This is where we met initially. And in fact, it was probably 2011, I think, when when we first started doing work, and I, I sold this idea of the membership site, and then I sold, um, I sold like some, some brief, like I'll help you come up with a, a map of how you need to run your business and, and outline Infusionsoft, and, and I sold the book. Like, I got like 85 people out of a room of maybe 350 that signed up into this program, yep. and I was, I was so, I'll just, I'll just call it as it is, I was so dumb at that point that in my mind, the way that that process is, well, 85 people times 50 bucks a month, that's only you know, 4,500 bucks a month or whatever, $4,000 a month. That's not going to pay my bills, so this business model doesn't work. Like I didn't quite understand or appreciate the fact that it's going to take you longer than one event right. to like build the business. <laughs> right. So I, I didn't. So I didn't really. I, I I started doing the interviews, but I didn't really do anything to market or to grow that. Mm. Um, and so it it started to fizzle, and then you know that money went away, and and then um, and then about that time I connected with my now business partner, and and, and there's a story behind how he did that. But um, he basically he tried to recruit me to work. At another company doing what we do at Six Division, but doing it for enterprise companies. So, playing in the Salesforce Marketo world. Right. And I lasted there about three weeks, and then I convinced him to come back, and then we started. We started Six Division, um, and and really it was 2012. Um, we had we had Six Division had been around legally as an entity for you know four months or so. We've been working at it for about six months. Hadn't taken any money out as owners, um, which is just stupid. There were a lot of dumb, like like the first three or four years of me being on my own. I just it's it's a it's a book on how not to do it. Right, so. but I mean everybody has to go through. Here's the because so many people get caught up though. The thing is that you still walk through it. Like the the yes. problem people get is the paralysis by analysis that they need everything to be perfect. The the reality is is like you're gonna make mistakes and it's gonna hurt, but so what? Like keep moving yeah. forward. Yeah. So yes. Sorry, yes. yeah, keep going. So um, yeah, so we so we rolled into InfusionCon, and and what we we had just um, we had just signed, we had just done a personally guaranteed lease on the space we're in now, which is about two thousand square feet. We didn't really have any consistent revenue income coming in. Three year lease, I, I, again, not necessarily the smartest business decision at that point, but we're like, well, we're gonna we got to have a place to bring people because all of our stuff is in person, and we make right. people come out and all that. So. So we signed on the space, and then we had just committed twenty or thirty thousand dollars in a sponsorship to Infusionsoft for Infusioncon. Right. So, sure. um, so we roll up, and, and our sponsorship was set up in a way where we'd have an opportunity to sell in a in a bonus session on the second night of Infusioncon. We're going to sell um, something, whatever it right. was at that point. We didn't right, know. Right. I remember because I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we rolled into the into the conference, and and you know things are going things are going fine. We've got pretty good exposure. Um, I wake up on the second day of InfusionCon, and I'm selling that night, and I have alerts from all of my, my bank accounts, business and personal, that they're all overdrawn. Like, every single... I got, I got no money to my name. Um, 
Which and is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, exactly. So I was like, all right, well, this better work tonight, and, and it did. It went like that night we went and yeah. uh, and we sold, and that that really set us off. And then from there, we basically had made no money up until that point. This is about March, so really, we did our first seven figures from about end of March, April for basically through the last nine months of the year. Right. Um, and and then and we've grown forty or fifty percent every year, um, every year since. Now, I, I've found that when I tell this story, if I don't add some follow up, people think, "Oh, he just happened to have this lucky event, and then everything was peaches and cream." So, of course, let me, cause it's that, yeah, because it's that easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let me let me just add a little bit more detail to that 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 first year of seven figures. The best way that I can describe it is it was pure hell. Like there's there's no <laughs> other way to describe it. So we sold. We, we went into the event and we sold uh, our flagship offering, which is a two-day makeover. People come out to our office and we crank and do a bunch of work. So, and we sold a ton of them. And like to the extent them, that I remember, I remember the event. There was like a stampede. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to the extent that we had um, from the first week in April until I think it was the middle of August or September. I'm going to go August to be more conservative, but it was somewhere in there. So. April, May, June, July, August, so four to five months. Every single week, we had five business, well, four to six businesses, depending on the schedule, that would come out. And they'd sit down one-on-one with one of our consultants. But every single week, they were out, and we were going in, and we were spending two days diving in, doing a, just cranking on people's businesses. Now, the, the thing is, if somebody comes out and works with us now, they'll be like, oh, that's not that bad. You just come hammer for two days. Well, the problem is is the problem then is that we didn't know what we know now. So now we've got a system and a process, and it's really well defined. Mm-hmm. Back then, clients would come out for the first two days. We'd build a bunch of stuff, but I'm there super effective yeah. about making sure we create an amazing experience. And so we didn't have a system around how to define, and this is exactly what we're going to do. Essentially, our, our value proposition was we've been around this longer than anybody else. We're smarter than anybody else. If you come out in two days, I guarantee we'll get more than anybody else could get done for you. Right. So. Which is great, but what ended up happening is we would spend two days, um, and then over the course of the next two to three weeks, we'd spend about another day. Well, that's great. That's fine, except when you spend the two days, and then you've got to do your marketing, and you've got to do your sales, and you've got to go get revenue, and then that starts to stack up. Like, it's interest, but in the other way. It's more like debt. So that started to... Because then their follow-up starts stacking up on you too, right? Because every week you got yes. a couple more weeks of follow-up, and they're they're not eating and, up like a lot of time, but it's like a couple hours here, and it's interruptions in your day. Sorry. <laughs> yes, and yeah, and we had there were two weeks in that four-month span where we did we did two sets of makeovers. So like it was it was crazy, and and again like we were we didn't sell seven figures worth in that event. So basically that year, any event that remotely like we thought there was somebody that was going to be using Infusionsoft or might want to use it. We sponsored I don't know how many events we sponsored that year, but we were traveling all the time and we didn't have the team that we have now. So it was like who answers the phones? Well we do. Who does the bookkeeping? Well we do. Who like all of that. So it was it was insane. Um and and we look we got to the end of the year and you know initially we did our planning for 2013 and we said, oh, okay, we want to double because that's what you're supposed to do. And then we we chewed on that goal for about Five minutes. It might have been a day or whatever. We came back around and we said, "Wait a minute, why are we being dumb? Yeah. Like, there's nobody else that that we need to please with this except ourselves." So we said, "Look, we just want to do the same thing again. Grow by at least a dollar, um, but we want to cut our schedule in half." Right. And so that was the focus of 2013, and we were able to do that. And then, and then in 2013 is when we got my business partner out of doing the services work, which was a major shift, major like accomplishment for us because he's not he's not an implementer. He's a marketing and sales guy. So we got him out. 
And then um, we had to, 2013, we had to go through and do some uh, cleanup and, and, and kind of not really gutting, but, but gutting of our team and really starting to establish a, a really good team, mm-hmm. 2013. 2014 is when I was able to step out of actually doing um, the services work and start to think more strategically about the business. And now as we go into 2015, we're kind of poised and in a situation where we've got a lot of different opportunities. We've got a really solid team. But it's just like I think of it like when a plane takes off um, or, or like if you've got a fighter jet in the movies when they're like trying to pull up and you've got a tremendous amount of force that's back. That basically is what it's like. And, and I don't I'm convinced that there is that there's no way to, to get around that. Right. Like it just is is what it is. If you want to build a business, there's going to be there's going to be that resistance. And I like what you said. Like, it's just it's something you have to go through. I've got my my five year old. His birthday's coming up in a month or so, um, and he was writing. He was just he wanted to go write down what he wanted to do at his birthday party, and he was saying, "Well, I, I said, well, just go get a piece of paper and write it down." No, he can't. I mean, he can kind of write, and he's starting to like point out words like, "Hey, Dad, I know how to say, I know how to spell this." I'm like, "Sweet, what? How do you spell it?" And so he's like, "Well, Dad, I don't know how to." And he was super worried about making sure everything was spelled right. I'm like, "Dude, just sound it out. It doesn't matter if it's spelled right. Like, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to learn it later." And so I've got. Um, I've got his sheet and it is a riot the way he's spelling stuff, but it, but it was the same thing. Like even at that age, he has this natural tendency to say, no, I don't want to do it wrong. I'm like, right. I don't care if you do it wrong. I'd rather that you do it. And then you'll right. learn how to do it better. Like, let's just get an attitude of like, I have an idea. I'm going to go wrong with it and realize that the, the, the biggest enemy of accomplishing anything great is the time you spend trying to decide how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. So that that bouncing back and forth, like no, just pick something and go with it. You you will you will discover faster whether or not you're doing the right thing while you're doing it than trying to think about it in your head. Yep, yep, no, exactly. And in fact, um, I have a client right now, and that's one of the things that I love about him the most is that he's fearless in that respect. It's like you you like you take you tell him what to do, and he just it's done. Um, and even another guy we had, I did an interview with, you know him as well, Dan Fagelli, who's one of your clients. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like he, he is just, he's been a white rabbit for me in that sense because he's just he's done. What? Like 24 hours later, done. Yep. No done. Well, you know, it didn't, wasn't right. It's not pretty, but Hey, my, you know, my half asked, you know, poorly implemented, completed action is better than your no action. Right. Um, which is huge, right? I mean, it's huge. Right. At the end of the day, it's piling up actions. Yeah, and the I, I think the I think there's a besides just the fact that you get stuff implemented, there's a psychological impact when you have um, we'll, we'll call them open loops. I know people talk about that, and, and and there's a there's a copywriting strategy around that, right? But when you have when you have unfinished or unmade decisions that are rolling around in your brain, it impacts everything else that you do. And so what I've found is is because um, I was I was at the gym. This is where it hit, and I posted a thing on Facebook. This is like every once in a while I have a thought that I'll post, but right. post on the gym. I'm at the gym, and um, and I'm and I've been like over the last two or three months, I've been kind of getting back into the rhythm. I just I just figured, look, I'm not the one that's just going to start going, so I just got to get back in slowly. And right. I'm at the gym on a Monday morning, and I'm processing in my head, what do I want my workout routine to be? And I'm going to go three times a week, and then I'll play basketball two times a week because I'm I'm kind of addicted to basketball. Right. And so I'm planning, okay, well, do I do like chest and back and then legs and then shoulders and arms or do I do chest and arms and then legs and then shoulders and back like I'm going through this in my mind and it hit me like dude it doesn't freaking matter you're not a bodybuilder and you're not trying to be a bodybuilder so just pick something and and then (laughs) and then and then go do it and that's that's when I realized that that like that indecision about weightlifting was affecting how I show up as a husband, how I show up as a father, how I show up as an entrepreneur, how I make decisions, like any of those things that are 
that are open that you haven't made a decision on, they affect everything else that you do. Yep. And so the, the uh, developing and cultivating an attitude of, I've got a decision, I'm going to look at it, and with the amount of information I have right now, I'm going to make the best decision, and I'm going to commit to it, understanding that that decision is not permanent. Right. So I can go down that road for two weeks and be like, oh, well, this is stupid. I'm going to change it. Great, then change it. But but get out of the, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't have enough information. You have enough information to make a decision. Maybe not the perfect one, yep. but you can make a decision that will then lead to more information to make a better decision. So. Right, right. And I, I, you know, I get that all the time. I mean, I, I learned that when I had my martial arts school. I'd, someone, I'd show someone a technique, like a teacher class a technique. People would be drilling it, and someone would do it twice, and then they'd call me over, and they'd be like, hey, am I doing this right? And I'd watch them, you know, and as long as they were able to do it, I, you know, I was like, like, you know what, play around with it, do it 15 to 20 more times, then call me over. You know what I mean? Like, right. I guarantee if you do it 15 to 20 more times, it'll be better than that one you just did. Right. You know, you know and so it's exactly like you said, like, it's just, it, it really is a lot about action and implementation. And I love what you said about how it's just something you have to go through to build the business, because I really think that that's true. I mean, a lot of people peddle, you know, shortcuts and, you know, like, you know, less time, save money and, you know, less save time and all this stuff. And there are, like, we are, I don't... I don't want to discredit those because it's valid. I mean, I've had people teach me stuff and like, even with you, it's shortcutted my learning curve, but for some reason it still takes the same amount of energy to get where you want to go. And even when I first started getting really good at automation, if I had like a list of 101 things to get done every day and I learned to automate 40 of them, I don't now have 61 items to do. I get a whole new 101 <laughs> things to do every day. Right. <laughs> like, it's so funny because people are like, man, you must be so lucky. You're like the automation guru. You just must like kick it on the beach. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like so busy implement. Like I'm, yeah. So it's just, it's so funny, right? It's like the more we leverage, the more we want to leverage, but it's almost like a space, like shooting a rocket in outer space. No matter what you do, it's going to take a certain amount of energy to get out of the gravitational pull. Like you can't cheat that. And yeah, I don't and know. The, yeah. I think the, I think the, 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 the key there too, is you talk about, it's not about, it's not like an either or where you say, because the, the fact is there's like a core set of fundamentals, like just heavy lifting work that's got to happen. Right. And then there are there are little things that you can do to shortcut pieces of it. I think where the problem comes is when um, is when at, at, like like I look at it more from a standpoint of core fundamental business model and growth, mm -hmm. and then minor wins here and there to help facilitate that core growth. But but a lot of people I, I think, and this is what I was doing early on. This is why I'm like, oh, I'm going to go launch a membership site. It'll solve all my problems. No, it won't. <laughs> membership site might might alleviate some of them, but I've got to still have a core business model that it, like you've got to have the slow growth as like your core foundation and then you can add wins here and there. You can do a product launch here. Like product launches can make a lot of money but they're not a business. So right. those are those are quick wins, but 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 to have a and maybe I should clarify a company. And and, and it's really a matter of semantics, but like if you want to build something that is sustainable and is going to stick around, you've got to have a core piece of it that is that is just going to grow incrementally and slowly. And you may have spikes and wins where you can do a product launch that give you some cash that allows you to keep going, but if you don't have that that underlying foundation that that only grows through effort and and time and and there's a certain amount of pain that's involved with that. If you're not building that, then all you're doing is you got a product launch and it goes away and you got to do another one and you got to do another one. So it's just right. like you got to have that core that that core foundation that just goes and it just it just takes time. It's one of those things that you look forward and you're like oh this is never going to work, but then you get when you stop and look back, you're like oh dude like like take our so you mentioned plus this that's our other right. company that we that we spun off of. Sixth Division, because we realized that there were things that our clients wanted to do uh, specifically with Infusionsoft that Infusionsoft just couldn't do, mm -hmm. and and they don't. We would say, oh, it's easy, just go hire a developer. They can write you a little script. Well, ninety nine percent of entrepreneurs, when you say go hire a developer, they like they're they like their, their bodies. Over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they end up in the fetal position, sucking on their thumb, right? So, 
Um, and, and so what we did is we started to build those. We hired the developer. We started to build them. And and then we would give them to them, and then they wouldn't know what to do with it. So we're like, we're just going to make a product out of it. Well, that was a year and a half ago. Um, it kind of just sat for about a half a year. But the last year, we've been focusing on it. And that's like the ultimate slow growth. Um, there's no like – it's like, yeah, I'm going to add 50 bucks a month here, 50 bucks a month there. But now we stop and look back a year and a half later, and we're sitting on an engine – that is just above break even with with a, a, a once we get the entire team built that's just above break even and then you just grow from there so it's one of those like that is something and we could go do some some launch around a particular product to do a spike in revenue here but but you but you can't ignore that core fundamental engine that's going to continue to grow and it just it just takes time it just does yeah Yep. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And and Brad, you see inside so many different businesses and help so many entrepreneurs. And, and I mean, and that's something that we've even kind of glazed over because we're talking about the, the strength and energy and effort you put into growing, you know, six division and plus this. But um, even more than that, uh, you know, you already had years of experience helping entrepreneurs beforehand, right? So you had, I mean, when you talk about market research, you knew your market so well. So what are some of the biggest challenges and, and, and things holding a lot of people back, do you feel, from your experience? Oh man, that's a great question. All right, um, so things that hold people back. Um, I mean, so we've talked about some of them. I, I, you got an element of fear or indecision that is like we, we've got to make sure we touch on that as as part of this answer because yep. that is that that's one of the one of the biggest things um, you've got. And then also we kind of talked about is, is chasing after the the silver bullet. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of dancing around this idea. Let me just figure out how to how to describe it uh, better. Um, there's, there's a tendency to shy away from things that we don't understand because we think that they're going to be overly complex. Right. Um, and then what I found is every time you dive into those things, they're really easy. Right. (laughs) It's just not nearly as hard as you made it out to be. And you spend all of this time fretting about it and losing opportunity costs in your business. Whereas if you just turn and you just dive into it, you can figure stuff out to, to move your, your business forward. Um, a heck of a lot faster. Right. If if you just go attack the things that are the scariest, just go attack them, and you'll find that they're one, they're not scary, and two, you you make massive progress in your business when you just go turn and chase those. Right. Um, right, right. All right. Let me let me think about. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, you guys have people come to you to help with automation in their businesses and that, and so you've already get, you get you know tons of people coming through, and like you say, now you've got all these systems and processes in place. So I was just thinking that you probably have like. You know, kind of like a couple of different. Yeah, um, like- we, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, they, so so here are here are the main things. We actually created a, a a presentation and like we have like it's a thing called the six laws of small business success, which which translated is the six things that we see people screw up over and over and over again. And if they would just stop doing this, then their life would be a million times easier. So <laughs> so I'll, I'll just kind of I'll just kind of run down those because and these are um, these are. Quite literally, it's not just like a, a lead gen piece or a thing that we send out. Right. These are things that um, that we live by, and I'm, I'm in a mastermind with a bunch of people that we that we just kind of started one, and we do a thing where we share what's been working. Last quarter, I went back and I said I, I tried this crazy thing. I went back to what we tell people to do, and I <laughs> I assessed where we were falling short, and I just started doing that, and it and that's what had the biggest impact. So these these are the six things. Um, First one, is, the first law of small business success is always wear glasses. And what that means is you got to get clear on what the crap you're trying to do in the first place. Like, what is the outcome that you're trying to create? I, I think that what a lot of people do is they don't they don't know. Like, right. as an entrepreneur, what is um, like 
let's just we'll go to the simple route. Uh, money. How much money do you want to make? Most people can't answer that question. They want to make a lot. Okay, great. What's the number? And 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 what they do is they're like, well, I'll just pick out a big, really big, high number. No, like, what is the number? Like the realistic number when you go through, and it's got to be based on what kind of lifestyle you want to create. Though, okay, what kind of vacations do you want to take in a year? What do you want to do with your spouse or with your kids or your family if you have it? Um, what kind of house do you want? Like, what do you need? What does that number look like? And they actually have that thing posted, and it's a thing that they're looking at, and they're constantly that's that is what this business needs to produce. And then I'm going to make all of my decisions based on making that happen. Not because what they do is they get they, without having. There's a quote that I love. It says, "In the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it." And what? so, in the absence, can you say that again? Just say that yeah. again. In the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. So in the absence of knowing exactly how much money or lifestyle I want for my business, what I do is I go to a conference and I hear somebody talk about how the next big thing is to create a membership site and to do a bunch of pay-per-click or Facebook ads. And I'm like, oh, crap, i got to go do that. Says who? Yep. Right? Like I've, I've started, like our, for, for the first couple of years in our business, we got sucked. We, we spent a bunch of time like we got to do Google pay-per-click because that's like the default. In a business, like, oh, i got to go do search stuff. Why? I don't, I'll just go to events and I'll get all the clients I need to be able to pay me the money that I want. I don't need to do – like there's no need for me to go do that. So the first one is – I always wear glasses, and I could. I'm going to short circuit the description on all these because I could do this for an hour. But um, <laughs> always wear glasses. That's the first thing: is um, know what you're trying to do because if you don't, you're going to end up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, second one: so always wear glasses. Second one is you're not the plumber, um, mm-hmm. and and what that talks about is you're also not the designer, you're not the developer, you're not the the implementer, you're not the copywriter. Uh, you're not all of the other things in your business that take you away from being the entrepreneur. Now I'm assuming we're talking to entrepreneurs, but yep. if you look up the definition of entrepreneur in, in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses, organizes and operates a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is a person so highly talented that he or she must perform every every task in the business so as to save it from impending doom. Right. So, but but we tend to think that we have to do everything. And uh, Clayton Mask from Infusionsoft has a quote that I love. It says entrepreneurship is an exercise in letting go. And, and that is, it, it, like, I can attest to that, and everybody, if you ask anybody in my office, they'll laugh and say, yeah, it's been really funny to watch Brad go through this, because he's got to learn how to let stuff go. And they think it's funny, and they laugh, and they, like, call it out when it's happening, and they laugh. And, and it kind of become a catchphrase in the office, too, when if people still come to me, and I'm trying to get myself out of, uh, out of, kind of staying in something that I shouldn't be in, I'll say, look, I'm, I'm not the plumber, so yeah, I'm sure you'll figure that out. Um, and then they say the same thing to me when I'm trying to be the plumber. So, right. um, so, so that's a big one. Third one is you're not a snake, and that talks about how, how like if you look at a snake, you consider how they eat things. They swallow it whole and then it digests. We like to think as entrepreneurs and as business and as businesses that we have digestive the digestive tracts of snakes. It's not true, and so the ability to identify all of the possibilities, um, we call it modular thinking. It's also called the the Lego principle. But the idea is I'm going to look at I, I got to create an, a, a plan of all the things that I that I want to do that I that I need to be doing. But then I attack one of them at a time. And so we call it the Lego principle because if you go buy a Lego set and you open up the box when they come out, um, they come out in bags. And you put each bag together individually and then you put all the pieces of the bags together at the end and it creates the final product. And I think Lego's got like, for me, it is the single greatest skill set that you can master if you want to kind of control the chaos that comes with entrepreneurship is the ability to look at your entire business and see it for bags that it is, the individual components, and then be able to, and this is the critical piece, be able to focus on one bag at a time while ignoring the other ones. Mm, like, you can ma- 
you can master that because what entrepreneurs try and do, like overwhelm inherently, is I've got too many things I'm trying to juggle in my mind, and I don't have enough brain power to process it. And we think that we can process all of it, and you just can't. Like, right. my brain can process a lot of stuff, and I get like, I, I just can't. So the ability to create a framework, and this is what we do a lot with our clients: is here's a framework of what your business looks like. Now, which part is going to have the biggest impact if we go attack it? And we're going to focus on that, and we're going to ignore everything else because everything else is already running in whatever current state it's in. Let it continue to run. But let's go improve this one piece. And then we'll zoom back out and say, okay, what's the next piece we should go? And then we'll zoom into that next piece. So that, that ability to, to remember that and not try and conquer everything at the same time is, um, is massively critical. Uh, number four is um, you cannot implement strategy. And what, 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 the easiest way I can describe this one is you go to a conference, because everyone's been to conferences. You go to a conference and you take a ton of notes, three, four, or five pages of notes, and you're super stoked about them. And then you say, okay, I'm going to go implement this. Most of what you take in notes is strategy, strategy right? And, 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 then that, and then it fails, right? You get back and you try to start implementing something and it falls apart and you get frustrated and, and all that. And the reason why is because like, it, if you think of the analogy of building a house, if I take my house account and my Pinterest account with all my pictures and a napkin drawing and I give it to a general contractor, he's going to be like, I can't do anything with that. Right. He's going to tell me I've got to go to an architect who's going to take my idea or my strategy and turn it into an actual plan we call it an executable blueprint and then I can go build against the executable blueprint. So that ability, like, and it just, at the end of the day, you know, it takes discipline. It takes discipline to stop and say, okay, if I'm going to be able to implement quickly and make these things happen, I've got to stop. I've got to be methodical about realizing I can't do everything, so I'm going to pick one thing off of the, off of the shelf of what I could do. And then instead of just running and trying to implement, um, I'm going to stop and I'm going to create this executable blueprint, and then I'm going to go implement. And that takes a tremendous amount of discipline because we feel like we're going slow when in reality – the, the fastest way to implement a bunch of stuff is actually to not implement first. Right. It's to stop and blueprint and then go implement or, or create a project plan and then go execute against the project plan. Um, but if you don't do that, you just overload your team or you overload yourself and then you do a bunch of stuff, but you don't actually accomplish anything. Right, 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 right. And that, I have a buddy that I grew up with that was like, he was a world competitor anyways in like lawn, riding lawnmower racing, like just like jacked up lawnmowers. Right. But he, he had a quote that he said that I loved all the time. He said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And that was his whole thing. Like he, you know, you just practice, practice, exactly. practice slowly to get it down really smoothly. And then you can do it at lightning speed. So it's almost like what you're saying. Like we think it's slow, but okay. no, by slowing down, you can have a smoother process of implementation and that will give you speed as it comes over time. I'm still on that one for sure. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That yeah. is, that is amazing. So, and that like, yeah, that's critical. Number, the fifth thing we talk about people all the time is ninjas don't start as ninjas. And this kind of goes to what we talked about that, like, you go to conferences and see what really cool people are doing. I found that I'm not interested in what they're doing now and the stuff they're sharing. I want to get into a conversation with them, and I want to say, okay, when you were my size, what were you doing? Right. And how did you go from where you were to where you are? Because people, you know, you got like, like you, we, we both know Jermaine. Jermaine Griggs does some crazy, amazing stuff. Oh, you, don't yeah. start, you don't start there. He's only able to do that stuff because he spent 10 years go, like, like figuring out all, all the process. And so I'm, I'm much more intrigued by what people were doing when they were my size and what they would do differently at my size if they were to do it again mm-hmm. than what they're doing now. So, so that's, that's a good thing to remember and, and know that probably 80% of the stuff you hear at conferences, your business is just not ready to do. Otherwise, you'd be on stage sharing it at conferences. Right. 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 Um, and then the last one goes to what we already talked about, which is the map appears when the car is in motion. You're never going to have enough information to finish anything important before you start it. So you got to make sure that you like you get comfortable with getting into that. Okay, I made a decision. I'm going to run with it, and then I'll get more information. The map will appear, and then I'll make a better decision. Then I'll make a better decision. So 
Like, so in summary, the six things that I was, the six things that I would say if I were to wrap it all up is know what you're, what you're trying to accomplish and not what you're trying to do. There's a key distinction there to know what you're trying to accomplish and then create a plan of what you're going to do to make that happen. But don't ever lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish and just get stuck in doing stuff. Second is know that you're not possibly going to be able to do it all by yourself. So just get comfortable with that and get okay with letting stuff go and letting other people do it. Know that you can't do everything right now. Mm -hmm. So pick the most important, focus on it, then pick out the next and most important. Uh, make sure that you're not trying to implement an idea, but you've actually converted that idea into a blueprint and then go execute against the blueprint of the project plan. Mm. Stop trying to be a ninja straight out the gate and then just go do it. Yep. Go start. Yep. Yeah, that's an awesome, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome list. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it really does highlight a lot of key points. You can tell that it's been developed over time because every time you're talking, I either could think of either instances I've committed to those or I know people that that's exactly like what they're doing or what they've been problem. Like I, right now I know two buddies I need to call and just give them a kick in the butt because I already know where they're at. Like, I'm like, yep. yeah, so that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, very, very cool. Man, that is that is a great list. So did you come up with that with your business partner, or how did you kind of develop that? What Did it ever change? Was it ever like 12 steps, and then you narrowed it down to six, or what? No, it was, it was, always, it was always six. Largely, everything we do is in six, because the sixth division is part of the branding. Um, so it was always six. Um, it did, it has changed um, a little bit. The, the, the specific item, the ideas haven't changed all that much. Let me think. The way that we label them hasn't really changed. Um, we, we basically sat down and we, I'd give a presentation and, and I wanted to come up with something that kind of encapsulated everything that we learned, both from, from meeting with and working with the top entrepreneurs like the Jermaine Griggs and the GKC and the Perry Marshalls and all those people. Like, what have we learned that they, what do they do well that the people that are struggling aren't doing? And that was kind of the summary come up with. Some of them have changed. Like the initial one for Always Wear Glasses was a little bit different from uh, Know What You're Trying to Accomplish. I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't even remember um, it, it was. It had a different emphasis, but as we started to dive in, realized that that wasn't really uh, quite right. And, mm. um, and and I'm chewing on. I may make I may make a slight amendment um, when we look at it as the, the six laws of small. Because it started as the six laws of implementation, how to implement a bunch of stuff. Mm. And then we realized we were like, this, this isn't just implementation. Like you could call it the six yeah. laws of success in life. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And so and so I think there's there's another one. What I may do is take the second and third that talks about you're not the plumber and you're not a snake and combine them into just you're not a snake and realize it's not your job to do everything and you can't do everything at the same time. And then add another one that is systems trump intentions mm. and have it be like, because the key to success, when I look at it like in terms of business success, life success and anything, um, the more you can create systems where you don't have to think about what you're doing, you just go do it. And the more you can, you can automate or systematize the mundane decisions that don't actually provide value um, then the, the, the more successful and the more happy you'll be in general. And, and so I looked at them like, how can I have the six laws of small business success and, and not have one that specifically calls out the importance of systems and, and automation? And it was because I just assumed that because they started as the six laws of implementation. So, that, so that may tweak, but, um, but really it was just born out, of, it was born out of the fact that we've interviewed and spent a lot of time working with a lot of highly successful entrepreneurs, and we've worked with a lot of businesses, and we've seen a lot of stuff, and we just said, look – Everybody does the same thing. We, we like to think we're unique, and we are in the fact that our business is in a unique niche, but it's all, we, all, we all face the same problems. That's they just right. show up 
looking differently. That's right. No, a business is a business is a business. And that's something that, you know, I'm sure you will have, you've heard before a lot of people say, but my business is different. And what you do as a service or what you sell as a product may be different, but the, 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 the plumbing, the structure, the foundation, the, the way it's put together, the skeleton of a business is a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's, you know, it might be industry specific, but it's, it's, it's really the same. I mean, it's all sales and marketing and client fulfillment. And when you mentioned systems, I was going to ask, what are like, are there like, three key critical systems that you, you know, that you, everybody that walks through your door really needs or something like anything like that, to, just to help out the listeners, like some sort of, they're like, great, I need systems. What, where do I start? What systems do I need? Um, that's a great question. No, we don't have like a, we don't necessarily have something that is templated. Like every business comes through mostly because the people that come through our doors, um, uh, we're, we're helping them dive into their business specifically. So, right. so as I'm saying that, though, I'm realizing, really, we do. It's just not – we don't have one like, hey, just go do this, and it's the same set of emails, and it's the same whatever. So we, what, we, what we help people do, and it goes back to um, always wear glasses. you got to know what you're doing. We, we start off when people come in, and our, our business is all about helping people leverage systems and automation in their business. And, and we focus on Infusionsoft right now, although that may not be the case forever as, as the tool – but we focus on helping people leverage systems automation to create experiences for their leads, prospects, and customers. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, the only, the only true differentiation that you have is the experience that you can create for your leads, your prospects, and your customers. So the, as we do that, the key is just to start and create a plan. And we call it, we call it identifying basically what your small business success playbook looks like. And so we go through and we attack. Um, we, we, we look at the business and divide it up into five divisions. It's marketing, sales, fulfillment, finance, and then internal, which is hiring and, and managing your employees and all that kind of stuff. And then we go across and we say, okay, let's identify what the different plays are in each one of these. What, what are your fulfillment plays for the products that you're delivering? And, and again, it all goes back to you've got to start with what's going to have the biggest impact. And depending on the business, if we've got a business owner that comes through that can drive a boatload of leads and sales, but their fulfillment sucks, then we're going to dive in and look at fulfillment, but it is going to be unique to whatever they're fulfilling and unique in terms of their content. But we want to create systems around that we may have other people that have an amazing product, but they're broken in terms of getting people to the product. So we end up focusing on on the marketing and the sales side. So I don't I don't know necessarily that we have a a specific system. When we look at like the life cycle of the customer, we're really kind of looking at. Um, we end up taking the templates from a lot of other. We're always going into okay, which one of these systems is going to be the most impactful? I would say, if I were going to go give advice to people, I would say you got to go look at your business and and considering three things: what is going to drive more revenue. What is going to make me more efficient and help me save time? And what is just going to give me peace of mind because I actually know what's happening? Like, wh- where do I not have visibility? Considering those three things, which component of your business is where you should go focus? And, and, and it goes back to you're not a snake. So stop trying to fix everything. Just put your business out in front of you, at least in your mind, you know, in your mind's eye, and say, okay, where am I hurting in terms of those? If I'm making enough money and it's not, I don't need more money right now, I'd rather have a better structured process so I can save time, figure out which part of your business you need to go put some systems or some automation around to do that, and, and it will kind of change. If I go higher level than just like the customer lifecycle, um, the stuff that we end up talking with people a lot about is is how to create a vision for your company, how to identify what your, what your purpose is and what your values are, and, and, and how to create, so you can create a culture around what you're building, and then also um, like how to hire people and how to bring people on in a way that, that you don't, like most people just hate hiring. And so we end up, we, we've got some, some tools and systems around that that people, when they come out, they're naturally attracted to it. And so we talk a lot about that. But 
Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's as, I don't have something as specific. I'm trying to think of something as specific I could, I could provide, but that really is more of like, just, you got to stop and assess for you, what is the next most important thing and then go focus there. Yep. 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 No, that was, that was, that was awesome. You, I, I'm like glad I asked those questions. Both of those, you kind of felt like you didn't have the answer, but you gave really good answers. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, no, no, we're good, man. You're dropping, you're dropping gems. Don't worry, I got your back. Um, <laughs> now, how about you, like specifically as the entrepreneur and kind of the center of the universe for your business, even though you're letting everything go? Is there like a, do you have like a daily habit or a weekly habit? Like what, what sort of, what sort of habits do you feel of? We already talked about one at the before we started the recording, um, which I'll mention in a second. But the question I want to ask is, what habits do you think have led to your success? And for everyone listening, before the call, we were talking about um, a trip that Brad had gone on, and that he was considering hiring a driver for the trip, so that way he could sit in the back and work and function. And I, I was talking about how when I I had set a goal that uh, I went to a conference that we talked about, and on the wall it said, you know, if you want to be broke, you know, hang out with nine broke people. And I was like, forget that, I want to be rich, I want to meet nine millionaires. And I did, I met like 12 or 15, I forget how many now, but one of the first, he did that. I went and partied with him in Toronto, and he hired a car to drive us back from Toronto to Kingston, Ontario, which is like a two and a half hour drive. And I was just, to me, that was just, I'm like, you know, it's, what was, what was the quote, Brad, you said you rich people will... I said, rich people spend money to save time, and poor people save time, spend time to save money. Right. Yeah. And that's so powerful. So that's obviously one habit that we were talking about. We talked about hiring a driver or hiring someone to come and cook for you a couple times a week and just prepare your meals for the week if they can to, to, uh, to leverage your time. Do you have any other habits? Is there anything else like that that you feel has been really So, yeah, I'll, yeah, I've got kind of – I've got an idea, but I want to preface it with a disclaimer. So our, one of our core values here at Sixth Division is humble eyes. And the quote behind it, you, you said, what are the things that led to your success? i got to share this quote as a disclaimer. It said, six, it's by Bill Gates, and he said, success is a lousy teacher. It lulls smart people into thinking they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I think that's critical because anytime you're looking at like, hey, what are the habits that led to success? There, there's, it's a habit that, that, that has, it's a habit that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. I don't know that I can necessarily say that it, ne- that it directly leads to success or that it's something that somebody else could follow that would lead to success. So I think that's just, you got to be careful when you look at that, but but the one thing that I try and do that I that I feel has impact um, is is to stay disciplined to what am I trying to do? Understanding that that is just a painful process to figure out. Like being like constantly staying clear on what the objective is that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, like I spend an inordinate amount of time. It drives my wife nuts because she's not that way. But like I want to make sure I know what I'm trying to accomplish. Otherwise, I'm never going to get there. So so there's that piece of it. And the other piece is I believe firmly that nothing's real until it's on your calendar. And so the, the, the bottleneck for every single human being is the calendar. And it's the fact that I can't do anything more than the time that I have on my calendar. And so um, the, the, the rhythm that I've gotten into and that, that, I'm, that I'm working to get all of our companies into is every Friday we have a company meeting and we review what we're trying to make happen. Um, and I do this personally as well, but, but I do, we do it first for the business on Friday. So we've got our annual and our quarterly and our monthly planning. So we know what we're trying to have happen. And every week we have a meeting and the purpose of that meeting is to give a status update on what we said we were going to do last week. It's kind of scrummish, um, what we were going to do last week. And then we look at the next week and we have our calendars out and we go through and we say, this is what I'm going to do this week, but you're not allowed to commit to anything unless you have time on your calendar to do it. God, I love that. Yeah, with calendars handy. So weekly meeting with calendar handy. That's perfect. So I don't, I don't ever want to hit a week without the entire week scheduled out, including buffer times. Like, like literally, my, we were doing planning with my wife the other, like this was like last week, and she's looking at my calendar. She's like, oh, I, I don't even want to ask you to do something because you're so busy. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. 
Like my goal when I go through planning is that this whole thing is going to be busy. So you can't you can't look at the calendar. Like I can move stuff around. We can make whatever happen we want. But my goal is, um, I think Darren Hardy said he said if you go into the week with a calendar that's not completely booked, you're asking to get messed up. Right. You're asking for it. So so the discipline of saying okay. I am. I know. I am clear on what I'm trying to accomplish overall in the month or in the quarter or whatever, and then I'm going to sit down and every week I'm going to plan the next week out, and I'm going to plan every single. Like I'm going to say, here are the things that I want to do, and I can only actually commit to those if I have time to do them and it's scheduled on my calendar. Because what what we like to do, and, and I think it's I don't know why it's from the to do training that we got whatever growing up or right. business, but it's it's go create a to do list of all the stuff you need to. And then work on the to-do list. And I'm like, no, it, it, you have to have the calendar element there right. to be able to tell you. Because you can't, at the end of the day, like you can't just create an extra hour. Right. So whatever time it's going to take to do stuff, it's going to take. So you're way better off going back to, to uh, slow is smooth. No, what it, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Is that what it was? Right. Yeah, that's it. Slow yeah, is slow is smooth, smooth, smooth is fast. So you, you get comfortable with, hey, I'm not going to commit to do five things every day this week, I'm going to do one thing every day and I'm going to nail it and I'm going to finish it and then I'm going to move to the next one and I'm going to move to the next one. And the, the week is so much easier if you go into the week, like I don't think we realize how much extra baggage we carry when we go into a week with the, with the to-do list that deep in our gut we know we're not going to be able to get done, but it like it eats at the back of our brain. Like you can just remove all of that if you just open up and accept the idea that you can only do three things this week. Okay, I'm just going to go do those. I can't do that stuff. And the fact is, is worrying about it or committing to do it, knowing that you can't do it, at the end of the week, you're still not going to be done. You're just going to be like, oh, how do people get stuff done? The way they get stuff done is they don't overcommit. Yep. They just get clear on what they can do and they have a calendar there. So that, that I think, is, is probably the thing for me that has, um, that has the, the biggest impact for me is, is getting down to running everything off of my calendar. Yeah, that's awesome. No, and that's a great, great, great tip because that's, that's, uh, that's a huge leverage point. That's a Jim Rohn quote, who's uh, Darren Hardy's a da- uh, Jim Rohn protege. Uh, he say, never begin your day until you finish it on paper. And it's for that exact reason, because that way, with the beginning of your day, you know, by the end of the, by the beginning of the day, you already know how your time is allocated. You know what your goals are, your objectives and things come up. You know, you might have to drop something, but it, you know what I mean? It just minimizes yep. that way. So I, yes. I love that. I've got this, uh, this five minute journal and, uh, it's just the five minute journal. And I, I love it because every morning you write in it, you know, you date, there's a quote, but then you write down, uh, three things you're grateful for. And then you write down kind of the three things that you want to accomplish for the day. I forget what it says, but I just, that's why I use it. Yeah. It's like, what would make today great? And then it gives you three options. And I always write my goals for the day. I only have three goals every day. And then, you know, and then you write an affirmation. And I just think that that's so important because exactly you say, it's so easy to get uh, sidetracked. Can you say your quote again? In the absence of clearly defined goals. In the, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. I think it's by a guy named Robert Heinlein. He's an author or something, I think. Got it. I'm, I, I love that trivia. Until, anyways, I'm going to listen and write that down. That's definitely going. You got one and I got one. That's definitely going into my, my repertoire. So that's an awesome, awesome, awesome um, just anyways, that's an awesome tip about the time management. Brad, thank you so much for like uh, just, just sharing so much with us today. What are you up to today? Like, What are you excited on? What's on your calendar for like the next kind of quarter, I guess? <laughs> Way too much travel. I got, we, we, got, we got a lot of stuff going on. So we're, we're taking um, – we have so, – so we spent the last three years, four years at Sixth Division really creating and fine-tuning and, and, and having a deep understanding of how to implement and creating systems around implementing mm-hmm. – um, processes to convert leads into prospects, prospects into customers, and, and really focusing on the implementation aspect of it. 
And so we're starting to, we haven't really been selling that just as a, as a product people can just go consume. It's only been available for the people that come do our services work. So I'm excited because one, I know that this will have, this will like revolutionize the way that people go about, especially again, primarily talking about targeting Infusionsoft users initially, but it'll be something we can take to other people, but it's going to change. Um, and for the people that, that have access to it, it already has changed how they look at their business and how they think through the process of being able to implement um, automation and systems in their business. So we're going to open that up as a standalone product offering. And we're also creating a bunch of tools that are directly tied to that that will dramatically change what it takes to get stuff implemented, um, awesome. which I'm super excited about. We've got some cool stuff going on with some um, with some partners. We're doing a lot of stuff with Infusionsoft. We're starting to do some stuff with Digital Marketer. We're doing stuff with different people that um, that just this has me super excited. And then we've got some we got other software. We got like we're kind of this is the year where we start to branch out away from just doing Infusionsoft implementation. We've got um, a partner that is a master of hiring and team building that we've taken a lot of this and we've implemented in our company. And we're going to go create a product around that that will go change anyone that look that needs to do hiring and, and is just dreading it, which basically ninety nine point nine percent of all entrepreneurs. Um, there's a product that will completely change how that happens. We're going to go into a product around how to do vision and then execution rhythm inside your business to make sure that you can identify what you're trying to accomplish and actually get it done. And then we've got a couple of software products on the software side that, that will start to venture. So we're going to start to kind of, we'll, we'll spin off a couple of additional companies this year that are kind of under the sixth division umbrella. Uh, and, and really, I think this year really start to make a massive dent in our overall objective, which is to simplify uh, what it takes to run a small business. It's not like it's going to be hard. It takes hard work, period. Yeah. But what we can do is start to simplify and, and and remove the the confusion and help people gain clarity around what needs to happen and in what order, mm-hmm. so that they can they can just go attack and not not be in that that state of well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. We, we want to remove that so they can just go put in the work and then and then get the results. Right. So. Right. Right. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome goal. And it's just so yeah. It's that Brad. That's why I wanted you on this call because you're just such a great guy and you just really do help a ton of people and you definitely know your stuff and. Um, yeah, it's just an honor and a pleasure, of course, to be able to share share some some mind space with you. So, if people want to get in touch with you, what's what are the best ways to reach out? Um, best way, if you go to sixdivision.com, there's a place that you can opt in. If you want to talk about getting help in your business, you can go to there's there's a place where it says contact us for a consultation or whatever. Um, if you want to in in the social sphere, pretty much anything at Brad Martino. So Twitter. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is slash, um, I think it's slash Brad Martin. I think that goes there. Um, any of those work. Or you can email me. It's brad at sixdivision.com. Um, and that's, that's six, S-I-X-T-H, right? Not yeah, six. six. S- yeah, S-I-X-T-H division.com. Website is S-I-X-T-H division.com as well. So, yep. Got any it. of those will work. Got it. All right. So anyone listening, I'd highly recommend if you if any of this piqued your interest, you reach out to Brad. He does phenomenal work. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, again, he obviously has a lot of value to share. So once again, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm sure you're going to traffic and conversion. Uh, I'm planning. I've got to. We'll, yeah, we'll, I, we'll see. We'll yeah, see if you yeah. make it there. Got it. All right. Well, I'll see you there if you are there. And if not, I'm sure we'll cross paths soon. So sounds good, brother. Sounds All right. Good. Cool, man. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you. 
Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.